Let's get started. Oh my God, you're trying to. Let's get started. Let's get started. Let's get started. You guys aren't really, yeah. Alright, folks. Welcome to Fusion Fossil Crew. Very exciting. Uh, Hey folks, sad news. This is the final teaching in Ephesians. We finally completed the book of Ephesians. But we found our next book, which is 1 Timothy. So, ooh, Timothy stole my seat. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. So, very exciting. Um, stay tuned uh, because we'll be starting that book next week. And then also, just a heads up, we are switching over to summer schedule in a few weeks as well. So basically, summer schedule means that there won't be a teaching every, every week, but there'll be a teaching every other. And on the off weeks, we'll probably do some type of cool hangout activity. <laughs> Weather's nice. We'll probably do some, uh, I feel like we could probably do a quick game of uh, five-on-five basketball against everyone here. I don't know if that's, uh, anybody want to throw it down? Okay, a lot of girls are saying no to five-on-five basketball. Well, three guys will get together. Three on three. <laughs> okay, girls, are you go three on three basketball? Okay. I'll do it. Lacey's on. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I want to be on Brenda's team. Oh. So, as far as announcements go, uh, we don't have anything major coming up except retreat. That is, when is that, Jordan? Next Friday through Next Friday through Sunday. So, Becky, you want to get more details on that or are you going to post it later? Um. Before before the retreat, money's due. Okay, so next Thursday deadline, pay her, or else die. Well, let's talk. Okay, you can talk about it. That's fine. Um, oh, if you're allergic to anything, I need to know like yesterday, right now. Right now. What is my? What's good? Like food. Like cats. There's just a bunch of cats there. That'd be actually kind of fun. Uh, besides that, stay tuned for future announcements. We're going to have a very big Memorial Day party here at the Space Center. Over here, there's going to be live music, possibility of food trucks. Who really knows about that one, really? Uh, but also, just a whole day of fun here, maybe even a teaching. So, stay tuned for that. Usually, we do camping, but there's no camping. Yeah. Uh, big Memorial Day party here. No Memorial Day camping, big Memorial Day party here. Live music, possible food trucks, lots of fun and fellowship. About what time? Uh, I think it's going to be, I think we're going for all day. Six in the morning. Six in the morning and six at night at least. I'm sure more posters will stay tuned. Huh? I don't know the time. So, um, if you're... This is your first time visiting. One thing I'll let you know is this is just uh, our sphere of our entire church. We actually get together on Saturdays. All the adults uh, of our, our church meet here, actually, at 4 o'clock. We'll be on that other side. So if you want to come and visit us again, you're more than welcome to. We're here every Thursday. It's 730. And then we're over there uh, 
for our central teaching is what we call it on Saturdays at four o'clock. So you're more than welcome to come. If you have kids, bring your kids. There's a daycare, a lot of fun there. Yeah. Yeah. Last week we missed the four o'clock one and started at six. Uh, fortunately, I made the six o'clock one. Mm-hmm. I was here at four. I go. I'm not coming back. Yeah, that was a special circumstance. It was a special. Yeah, 6 o'clock usually is for the college kids. Yeah, but I mean, it seemed like we had plenty of room. Was that because there were less people? It was Easter weekend, and yeah, about at least half the people were Eastern somewhere. Yeah. So without further ado, then, we're going to get our last Ephesian teaching together. And it looks like both of you guys are looking at me. I'm assuming it's Kevin. You want me to pray first, or you want to come? Uh, I'll, I'll handle it. Okay. All right, let's go for Kevin. <laughs> He's going to handle it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Got to get my timer out. I always time it. Nice. Don't like to go too long or short. What's a, what's a perfect t- uh, amount of time? You guys? Five, five think like 20, 20. 20. Think like All 20, day. 25 minutes. Yes. All right. Sir, as Carlisle was letting us know, we are finishing up in Ephesians today with Ephesians 6, verses uh, 13 through 20. We started back in, like, middle of October. So we've been in this piece for six-plus months now. Uh, and we are landing this bird tonight, right? We're, uh, we're going to get into First Timothy here shortly. But the big question on everybody's mind, I can see it in your eyes. The question you all want to know is how is Paul going to end this book? How is he going to end this book of Ephesians? Is he going to end it with an encouragement? Is he going to end it with a warning? What about maybe a rebuke? What is he going to talk about here in the book of Ephesians? Before we get into that, can some of us pray? Yeah, Lord, thanks for bringing Kevin and Joe to come teach tonight through your word, through Ephesians 3. I mean, 6, 13, and through 20. And pray that the end of Ephesians is going to be something that's going to catch us out of left field. Yeah, Jesus, I just thank you. Um, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's a... It's crazy times we live in. It's crazy messed up world. Crazy people, and it just seems like life is so erratic lately. And I'm just really grateful to have something that we can hang on to, that we know is stable, that we know is sure, that helps guide us. Um, and it's it's been doing that for a long, long time. So just thank you for that, Jesus. Yeah, God. Um... Thank you so much for um, for giving us an opportunity to um, be victorious over our opponent, who by ourselves we would stand no chance against. Thank you for all this, the weaponry and the confidence and the armor that you provide for us. Thank you for coming down and dying for our sins so that we can have a chance to be in heaven with you. Amen. All right. <clears throat> so... Just before we get into tonight's passage, I want to talk about a little bit about what we talked about last week. Um, if you remember, Craig and Terry taught, we were talking about spiritual warfare, okay? Spiritual warfare, it's a lot different than traditional warfare, like what you see on the news. It's a lot different than, click, 
what we're seeing in the Ukraine going on, right? If you see this coming down the road, if you see all these armored vehicles, if you see this uh, gentleman in that snowsuit there marching down the road, you know you're in a war. You know you're being invaded. You know you're being attacked. You can see your enemy coming at you. And you might be able to try and fight them off, but you can at least see them coming after you. And that's not, unfortunately, that's not how spiritual warfare works. Satan is a lot more cunning than that. He's a lot more sneaky than that. He's a lot more deceptive than that. So we talked about last week, who is our enemy? We know that Satan is our enemy. Do we stand any chance of winning? He's a lot smarter than us. He's a lot stronger. He's a lot wiser, a lot more cunning than we'll ever be. Do we stand a chance of winning? And how the heck are we going to beat this guy? What can we use to defend ourselves? So can somebody just really quickly go over the, uh, the end part of the passage from last week for me? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For he, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Thank you. All right. So if I had to isolate my favorite part of this passage, it's the part in the very beginning where he says, finally be strong in Kevin and his strength and might. <laughs> That's my favorite part. It speaks to me. It reaches out to me. No, of course it doesn't say that because on my own, I stand no chance of defending myself against Satan. It's only when I take on the Lord and his strength and his might that I stand any chance of survival. Satan is a powerful God. He's smart. He's cunning. 1 Peter 5.8, those of us who have taken uh, basic, we know this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Our enemy is described as a roaring lion, seeking to devour us. He's not out in the open. He's lurking in the bushes, watching. He's biding his time, waiting to get you. He has one goal in mind, and it's to separate you from your father for eternity. That's the one thing he cares about. This is a bad and mean dude. Can someone read uh, John eight forty four for me? You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Imagine this was just like a rape. This was a person. And this person is your enemy. And he's described as a murderer from the beginning. He's not holding to any truth. There's no truth in him. He's the father of lies. That's a pretty scary dude. He's also described as a lion waiting to devour you. In other parts of scripture, he's described as the great dragon. This is a powerful being. But how are we going to be victorious over him? Joshua 1.9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever, we go, wherever you go. Where the heck am I going to get this confidence? Where am I supposed to get this courage? Where can I go? How can I get this? God, you're going to have to give me some powerful weaponry. 
You're going to have to give me some powerful armor. I need your help. Okay, insert Paul. Here Paul is, tasseled to a Roman Praetorian guard, okay? Roman Praetorian guards, are, they were the elite soldiers of the Roman army, okay? They got paid like twice as much as the average soldier. They only had to be in the army for half as long. They were the baddest of the bad dudes, okay? Here Paul is attached to one. How did, how did we get here? How did Paul get attached to this guy? Well, Paul was arrested, and all the churches that he planted collected money for him so that he didn't have to live in this dingy little cell. They got him like this little apartment thing. It wasn't so bad compared to all the rest of the Roman prisoners. He was able to write letters. He was able to have visitors preach and teach. It was not all that bad compared to what you might think. But Paul, he's a high, uh, he's a high profile dude. They can't risk him escaping. So what do they do? They chain him by the wrist onto one of these elite soldiers to make sure to be guarded 24-7 so that he doesn't escape. And when he's attached to this guy, he's number one, probably having a lot of conversations, probably preaching the gospel to him. I'm sure a lot of the time the, the guard thought he was Paul's prisoner as instead of the other way around. But they probably had some conversations and more importantly, Jermaine, to tonight's teaching, Paul had a front row view of this armor of the Roman Praetorian Guard. The Roman army, maybe the most powerful army in all of history, and the way they got there, their strategy, their weaponry, and their armor. And he makes a lot of connections between the armor that the Roman soldier wears and the armor that God provides for us. Can somebody get verse uh, 613 here? Therefore... Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Okay. Take up the whole armor of God. Stand firm. Now, you guys don't have to throw up any hands. I'll take head nods as acknowledgments. Has anybody here seen the show Vikings, or Game of Thrones, or The Last Kingdom, or the movie 300? Right? So... In all of these movies and TV shows, and I'm sure it's based on history, but I know TV, these soldiers are standing shoulder to shoulder with their brothers in arms. They're presenting their shields, and they're standing firm because these psycho barbarians or whoever the heck they're fighting are charging at them. You know, they're barreling into them, trying to knock them down. And the key here is to stand firm. Don't be moved. Because if your wall breaks, if you, if you back up, they're going to... They're going to overwhelm you. So we're told here to stand firm. Boop. Verse 14. Anybody? Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Thank you. The belt of truth. What the heck is a belt of truth? Those of us who have seen the Wonder Woman movie, we know what the lasso of truth is. Is it like that? I don't think so. More importantly, why is this being why is the belt of God's truth being compared to the belt on a Roman suit of armor? Well, I'm so glad you guys asked that. I'll tell you. <laughs> 
The belt on the Roman suit of armor is the centerpiece of the whole kit and caboodle set of armor. It's number one at the center. Number two, it has your scabbard. It holds your sword for you. It has these leather tassels so the bad guys can't slash your legs as easy. You're not going to get as cut up. It has this little jock on it, and it protects other stuff. <laughs> it, uh, it attaches to your breastplate. It's going to make everything stay where it's supposed to stay, everything go where it's supposed to go. I'll tell you firsthand, when you're fighting barbarians, the last thing you want is for your breastplate to be flailing all about. Okay? So, my, so why, is it, why is this belt on a Roman suit of armor compared to the truth of the gospel? We're told in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're all here based on the truth, right? We want, even those of us who haven't accepted a relationship with Christ, we're at least presumably here because we're seeking the truth. We want to know what the truth is. And, the set, and truth is the center point of Christianity, just like the, the belt is the center point of the Roman suit of armor. But the question is, all right, great. We all want to know the truth, sweet. What the heck is the truth? Shout it out. First come, first serve. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his, own, his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us and, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Thank you. So this is the truth. The truth is... God showed us that he loved us by sending his son to come down to earth to give up all of the rights and the privileges that he had to come down here and live a perfect life so that he can be nailed to a cross and that he can die so that, we may, so that we'll be made whole and that we'll have a relationship with our Father in heaven. That's the truth. And that's why we're all here. That's the center point of Christianity. If you, if you had to boil it down... This is what Christianity is. Jesus came down here and he died for us so that we can be redeemed. There's more to 614. He also talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is a very church word. Who I didn't grow up in a church, so I didn't grow up knowing what the heck this word means. Um, I just know that I want it to be it. It's good. If it's good, I want to be that. Right? What does righteous mean? means morally right or justifiable, virtuous. I want to be all of these things. I think most of us can agree. We want to be morally right. We want to be seen as a virtuous person, right? Unfortunately, a lot of people take a pa- take, would take a passage like this and they would say, I need to be morally right and virtuous on my own. So what, what does that mean? That means no cussing. That means no drinking. Um, you, better not, uh, you better not look at porn. You better not, don't screw up. You as a Christian need to be virtuous. So you need to take it on yourself. Do the right thing. Do it all on your own. Charles Spurgeon has a quote that says, the greatest enemy to human souls is a self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. Those of us who have been a Christian for a while, um, it can really grind you down sometimes. I don't know about you guys, 
I'm not perfect. Sometimes I'll come into home church looking to check the box. I'm trying to get in, trying to get out. Maybe it was a tough day. I, I'm, I'm not grateful. I'm not very aware that I'm, I'm in a fight, let alone aware who my opponent is and who seeks my destruction. I'm just kind of checking the boxes and I don't feel very significant. I don't feel like I need God to make me virtuous. I, I, I just don't feel like that it's really necessary. I don't want to do it. We're told in uh, Colossians 2, 6. Actually, can someone just read 6 and 7 and leave 8 out for now? So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your life in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with <laughs> thankfulness. Good. Thank you. Those of us who have accepted Christ, we did it because we had no other option. We were forced to come to terms with the fact that I can't do it on my own. I'm not good enough. God, I need your help. There's no way out of this for me on my own. That's important that we never forget that. We can't do this on our own. It's only through God and Jesus' death on the cross that we can be made whole. Can someone read verse 8 for me? See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. Yeah. I think this is super relevant to tonight's teaching. I'm going to pop a squad. I think it's uh, really relevant to tonight's teaching because how many of us here have lost friends or have seen people come and go through the church, come and leave relationships with Jesus Christ because they believed lies, right? They believed what Satan's telling us or what Satan tells them, right? They let their guard down and the prowling lion got to them. It's so sad when it happens. It's heartbreaking. That's why it's so important that we never forget that we're in a fight. Can someone get uh, Philippians 3.9? And be found in him not having the right, a righteousness of my own come from the law, that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. The righteousness comes from God and it depends on faith. Can someone get uh, 521? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I think that's also a memory verse, right? So we have become righteous through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. That's not something that we did ourselves. So it goes on to say, uh, so that no one can boast, right? This is not something that we did on our own. We didn't win a prize. We didn't win a contest. Um, we took a gift that we don't deserve because God loves us and he was willing to sacrifice his perfect son for us. Can someone grab that for me? And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Thank you. So, again, I'm a, I'm a very experienced uh, medieval fighter. <laughs> um, and I can tell you from firsthand experience that it's very... Thanks, Bob. It's uh, very important to have your feet fitted with proper footwear. I don't know if any of you guys have ever 
gotten into a, into a fight wearing flip-flops, like thong <laughs> flip-flops, you're going to have a bad time, right? You, you have to stay firm and you have to be ready. The Romans had these sandals that, number one, they like, they wrapped up all the way to their like uh, calf muscle. So like these weren't going anywhere. These were not your normal sandals, right? These weren't what people saw in St. Augustine a couple weeks ago. They also had um, like little cleats on them, right? So when the, when the bad guys charge at them, they knock into their shield wall. They're not going anywhere. They're not sliding in the mud. They're not going whichever way the wind blows. We're called to do that same thing. You know, when Satan attacks us, when Satan comes to try to knock us down, we're called to stay firm. Forgot that slide. Boom. Gospel of peace, feast fitted. <laughs> Can someone get uh, Colossians 1.13 for me? For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. On our own, we are in the domain of darkness. We are in a battle that we cannot win against an opponent that we cannot beat. We are totally helpless. Like, it'd be like me fighting a baby. I would beat a baby's ass. <laughs> right but like seriously like we we would have no chance against satan on our own except for the gifts and the powers and the weaponry and the protection that god provides for us wanted to leave um terry who's not here tonight unfortunately terry i know you're listening at home what up um <laughs> He loaned me a book called Bondage Breaker, and he recommended that I read a chapter, and uh, this quote came from that. Can somebody, can somebody read that for me? Our commanding officer has provided us everything we need to remain victorious over the forces of darkness. He says, in effect, I've prepared a winning strategy and designed effective weapons, but if you don't do your part by remaining on active duty, you are likely to become a casualty of war. We're given all... The best preparations have been made. We've been given everything that we need to be victorious over this evil demon, this great dragon he's called. We've been given everything required to be victorious over him. But if we don't remember we're in a fight, if we don't live our lives like Satan is, try- Satan is trying to bring us down, if we don't remember that, he's going, he's going to exploit your heart and he's going to lie to you. And he's going to make you feel things that aren't true. And he's going to twist things up. I've seen it a hundred times before. Ironically, that's the exact point where my teaching ends and Joe's is about to <laughs> Hey, between 20 and 25 minutes, 21 minutes, 54 seconds. Let's go. Oh, yeah. few pieces of armor already. Thank you, Kevin. We covered the, what was it? The belt of truth. Does anybody remember the next one? 
breastplate of righteousness. That's right. And the footwear. The, the shoes. The shoes fitted with the gospel of peace, right? Okay, so we got a couple more pieces of armor here that we're going to talk about. Only a couple more verses left. So Ephesians 6, verse 16. In addition to all, in addition to all those pieces of armor we've already talked about, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, so this is a pretty cool piece of armor the Lord gives us here. Obviously, the shield is a defensive piece. It protects us from Satan's flaming arrows. Uh, We're able to interlock them together as Christians. So our, our brothers and sisters, it's not just us fighting, right? We're able to lock them together and form a wall um, to stop these arrows. And really, th- this shield is of faith. So it's, it's the faith and the trust that we put in Jesus um, as our Savior, right? That he's the one who's going to get us to where we need to go. He's the one that we put our confidence in, right? Kevin talked a lot about that. We don't put our confidence in ourselves. We put our confidence in Jesus. And this is paramount, Right? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is very important, right? But it is also a mysterious and invisible thing. I can't see how much faith that Evan has right now. Evan can't see how much faith that I have. Um, You know, we we really can't see it. All we can do is maybe um, if I say I have a bunch of faith, then you know, the, the, the proof will be in the pudding. You'll see kind of my actions. Do I actually do what I say I'm going to do? That sort of thing. It'll play out over a period of time. Um, when it comes to Satan, however, Satan can tell how much faith we have. Um, so this is not good, um, right? He can tell. In the Bible, there is an example of this. So not to get too far into it, but there are these Jewish exorcists going around trying to scam people. The seven sons of Sceva. Um, they didn't put their faith and their trust in Jesus. They are just trying to make a quick buck. So they get on the scene trying to perform an exorcism, and the evil spirit says to them, Jesus I know, Paul I recognize, but who are you? You don't have faith in, in Jesus. You don't have any business being here, Right? You just got yourself in a situation that uh, you didn't want to get yourself into. Um, so Satan can see our faith. Um, his uh, evil servants, his demons, um, his minions, I guess you could put it, can see our faith. Right? All throughout the Bible you see that where um, Satan will go and he'll, he'll sift somebody. You know, they'll, they'll have a battle over it because, hey, is this guy really going to be faithful to you? That sort of thing. Um, so it shows that real faith is important. Where we put our faith is important. Do we put our faith in the right thing or the right person, right? It's not just wishful thinking. It's putting our trust and confidence in something that's real and true. There's a spiritual realm out there. This is what we're talking about. There's a war. There's a spiritual war raging. We need to put our faith in Jesus to stand a chance here. We need to trust in the provisions that he provides us, right? The belt, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, and the shield of faith if we're to stand a chance. So why should we believe in anything, right? 
Um, I guess that's a good question. Why, why do we believe in anything? Because it makes us feel better? Um, because it's what we really want? Sometimes we do that because our parents told us that we should believe in something because we really, really feel strongly um, that it's true. No, these are not good reasons to believe in something. We believe in, in something not because we feel strongly about it or we feel it's true, but we believe it, we should believe it because it is true, right? Not its impact or effect um, that we think it's going to have on us, but because it's true, right? There's a spiritual war. That's true. We have an enemy. His name is Satan. That's true. He constantly shoots these fire arrows at us. That's true. Whether we want to acknowledge it, whether we want to believe it or not, it's true. We also have a Savior um, whose name is Jesus Christ, who's provided us this equipment for us. So it's not wishful thinking. It's not pie in the sky. We believe this because it's true, because the Bible says it's true, because God says it's true. So the opposite way is when we live our lives based on how we feel, um, you know, that this is bad. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. You know, you feel a certain way and you let your feelings lead you in that direction. You take feelings as reality um, and it, it could end up bad, right? That's when the devil can cause damage, right? The devil shoots these flaming arrows and sometimes they hit things and they hurt. Um, and the thoughts and the feelings that pop in your head, um, they could be dark, they could be ominous, they can feel really real. You know, you can have thoughts like, um, nobody cares about me. Uh, my friends don't, they don't ever, I'm always the first person, I always reach out to them, you know. I'm always contacting them, they never contact me. Um, they don't really care about me, they don't love me. Um, you know, this church isn't a very cool place to be. It's not very gracious. Maybe I should leave, right? Nobody would care anyway. So these thoughts can pop into our heads pretty quickly if we're not careful. And we can feel alienated. We can feel cut off. Are these thoughts from God? No. Um, you know, the, these thoughts that God isn't there for me, that my life isn't going maybe how I think it should, that God doesn't care, it's dangerous to entertain these feelings when these arrows start flying. So, the, I mean, these feel, feelings, I think, can creep in subtly. They seem really right. They at first seem very pleasant and level-headed. Um, again, this is because Satan knows us. He knows us. He knows what we like. He knows what we don't like. He knows what pushes our buttons. So when he sends these arrows flying, um, they're strategic. So it's crucial that we learn to walk based on truth and faith in the Lord. We carry this shield with us. So when a thought pops into our head, like some of these thoughts that I've mentioned, you know, nobody really cares about you. Where does that thought come from? You know, sometimes thoughts, um, they don't even seem that bad. Can somebody grab 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen? 14? I wonder for... Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Right. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, and his demons do too. So oftentimes the thoughts don't start out as, oh, you're horrible, nobody likes you, and you should not go to church anymore. It, thoughts, it starts out something like, you know, I've tried to love this person that's in my cell group for many, many years, and they never really respond. 
maybe I should just move on and not really try so hard anymore. So that seems like maybe a level-headed and insightful thought, but God would never say something like this, right? God would never just move on from somebody um, because they're not responding how we want them to respond. So we need to take every thought captive to the truth and recognize the voice of Satan by the content of what he says, right? Does this thought that just popped into my head that seems reasonable, that seems very certain and strong, does this square up with the word of God or not, right? So mental health and wellness is a big deal. It's in the news now more than ever. And this is the battleground that Satan wants to play on. Um, his, his forces and his demons, his war he wants to wage is being waged on this battleground, especially for um, younger people. So Barna Research Group did this study called the Connected Generation for 18 to 35 year olds. So um, spoiler alert, I'm not in this demographic anymore, but I'm, I feel like I'm close enough to it, maybe still, okay? Young at heart, young at heart. I'm young at heart. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Carlisle. But a lot of you guys are in this are in this age group, so I thought this was really relevant to put up here. Thirty-three um, percent, so a third of eighteen to thirty-five year olds say, "I often feel deeply cared about by those around me." So that means sixty-six or two-thirds, the majority of eighteen to thirty-five year olds don't feel deeply cared about. Right? That's not good. An even smaller percentage reports feeling that somebody believes in me. So almost no one in this demographic feel that somebody believes in them. And then just two out of five of these young adults can claim to be optimistic about the future. So this, this is not good, right? These thoughts are not from God. These are not godly thoughts um, that, that people are thinking. Whether you're a Christian or not, um, this, this is evil, right? That nobody cares about you, even if it feels true. Um, we know as believers in Christ that this is not true. Satan is attacking people at their most vulnerable, right? Our sense of belonging and community. This is what we were created for as human beings. So as, as Christians, as believers in Christ, I could tell you we shouldn't be feeling like this. Um, that's not to say if you do feel like this, um, that you're horrible or wrong or something like this. I felt like this. Um, it's just to say, if you feel like this, uh, it's a good sign you're under attack, right? It's a good sign that Satan sent some arrows flaming your way, um, and you need to get that shield up, right? As Christians, we should be united. We should be feeling loved. We should be feeling like people care for us, right? God cares for us. He sent his only son to die on our behalf so we could be redeemed. That's a deep care and concern, right? So if somebody believes in us, we learned about all these blessings and things that God gives us. We should be feeling like that. And then people should see our love and the unity that we have for one another um, when they're in this position, and that should be attractive to them too. So we need to get our faith shield up if we're feeling like this. How do we get our faith shield up? Um, Romans 10, 17. Does somebody want to grab that, please? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Okay, so how do we get the faith shield up? How do we know what's true and what's not true? We hear the word of God, right? Faith comes from hearing the word of God. So 
Um, if we're feeling disconnected or if we're feeling like nobody cares or believes in me, if we're hearing the lies, the antidote to that is to hear the truth, right? Hear God's truth on the situation. Um, get your shield up. Talk to your brothers and sisters. Lock your shields together, right? Sometimes if you've been hit by an arrow, you need somebody to come and cover you with the shield for a while. Um, so this is the remedy from hearing lies, to hear the truth. So verse 17, another piece of armor here, the helmet of salvation. So, I mean, we could get into an argument about what piece of armor is most important. They're all pretty freaking important, right? But the helmet is important. You do not want to take a headshot. That, that'd be, you'd be done, right? You might be able to survive an a arrow to the leg or to the arm or even to the chest, maybe. Um, <laughs> but an arrow to the head, that's bad news, right? So the helmet of salvation is a big deal. And the helmet of salvation is all about our status, our standing. Where do we stand as uh, believers is crucial. We've been saved as we've been, as we've been teaching. Um, if we've put our trust in Jesus... We've been saved, we've been rescued, we've been redeemed. So our security comes from being linked to Christ. 1 Peter 1, 5 says, As Christians, we who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So if we're saved, if we put our trust in Jesus Christ, we're protected by the power of God. So you can't get any greater or more powerful protection than that, to be protected by the power of God, the creator of the universe. Um, We put our trust in Jesus to save us, and we get that kind of power, that kind of protection. Can somebody grab this uh, passage out of Romans 8, please? For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, so when we're, we put our trust in Jesus, we're, we're like, we're bad dudes and dudettes, right? Who's going to mess with me? Who's going to separate me from the love of Christ? No one, right? That's the answer. Nobody, because I've got the power of God on my side. Nobody's going to separate me from the love of Christ. So I don't even want to get out of bed without this helmet on. I might, I might go to bed with the helmet on. You know, I might just keep it on. <laughs> you know, I'm going to start every day, hopefully, thankful for the salvation that I have, thankful for the fact that Jesus loves me. Whatever happens then during that day, baby, I'm saved and God loves me. What can you do to me? There's not much you can do to me to razzle me when I know um, I'm a child of God and I'm going to heaven, Right? Um, and the helmet is like this. It gives us courage. Um, it, it gives us the ability to withstand blows. Okay, so I had a bad day, right? Somebody, I tried to invite somebody to Bible study and they said, no, that's no big deal. I'm going to keep trying. I can stand some suffering because I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I'm able to withstand Satan's arrows, right? I've got a helmet and a shield, um, You know, accusations come flying. Hey, you're a sinner. You don't know what you're talking about. You're a jerk. That, okay. On the one hand, I know that's true. But on the other hand, I know that's not how God sees me. I know God sees me as holy and blameless and perfect and as his child. So I can very quickly 
withstand the things that Satan's throwing at me. And then our, our last piece of armor or weaponry here is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? So now we're talking. So we've been talking about all these pieces of armor. They all have been defensive, you know, a belt. I guess a belt is cool. Um, it holds everything in place. It serves its purpose. But give me a sword, baby. Now we can do some offensive things, right? We, can, uh, we get to play offense. We get to use the sword. So... Uh, This is how the spiritual battle is waged, right? It's a battle over truth. Remember, Satan shooting his arrows, making accusations about stuff that's not true. So if we're going to fight back, we fight back with truth that is true. This is how um, Jesus and Satan got into a battle in the desert. Uh, We had this, we, we actually taught about this at our central teaching about a month ago. And this is how Jesus fought Satan in the desert. Um, you know, Satan would throw these accusations out. He would try to tempt Jesus and Jesus would come back with scripture, with the word of God. And he would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus said to him, go away, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus knew the scripture. He was able to counter um, the devil's attacks with this scripture. Uh, Satan, you say this, But I look at the word of God and I know God says this other thing. So it's not my opinion. It's not your opinion. It's what God says is true is true. And the authority is in the word of God in what he says. And this is what power looks like, right? To have some power like this, to know the truth in a world that's confused about what is truth. Can anyone even know it's true? Um, We can't. Does somebody want to grab that passage out of Hebrews 4? For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Okay, wow. So this is what power looks like, right? It's not just this physical sword that, that cuts into uh, joint and marrow, but it can judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Um, it's a living and active, right? To bring scripture, to bring God's truth into a situation, to bear, um, to bring reality into a situation, this is supernaturally impactful, right? To be able to have the word of God with you and say, here's the truth right here. Here's what really is going to make your life work. Um, that is powerful. That's what power looks like. So, Verse 18 here, we've covered all the pieces of armor. Paul's going to wrap it up. Finally, he is going to implore the church and us with every prayer and request. Pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. So Paul is encouraging them and exhorting them to pray at all times and be alert. Right? So what? Do we mean by all times? Do we mean 24-7? Well, not exactly. Uh, The Greek word here is kairos. So it really means like a specific, appointed, opportune time. So the context, remember guys, is verse 13. Taking up the full armor of God so we'll be able to resist on the evil day. So when this spiritual war is raging, this evil day, right... When you're feeling like 
all hell's breaking loose, when you're feeling like God doesn't love you or care about you, when you're feeling depressed, alienated, accused, wronged, right? When you're under spiritual attack, this is that moment that we've got to pray and we've got to be alert and we've got to turn to Jesus and put on this armor of God, right? In these times. So how do we put on the armor? Um, kind of a, a, a weird question, or, or I mean, the answer's right there, right? Um, through prayer. Um, we activate and put on the armor of God in prayer, in dependence on God, right? It's the same sort of situation as when we turn to Jesus for salvation. We turn to Jesus, Jesus, I'm under attack. I need you. I need your armor. I need your provisions, right? Acknowledging that I need help. I can't do it on my own. It's an act of dependence. So uh, Tony Evans, I listened to one of his sermons on putting on the armor of God. And he had a good quote, I think, that summed it up, right? How do we put on the armor of God? Prayer is the human means to enter the supernatural realm in order to utilize the full armor of God, right? So this has been the whole point of Ephesians. Um, Paul's been praying for them that they see the reality of their situation, the blessings, the power that they have as believers in Christ. And he ends with a call for us to enter into that and to pray, right? Be alert and pray. How else would we put on this supernatural, invisible equipment if not through prayer, right? I couldn't say like, hey, Kevin, hand me the shield of faith over there. Um, What? Right? It's a supernatural thing. We've got to supernaturally tap into God and his realm and say, God, uh, now it's time to put on this armor. Help me. So, Called to, called to pray and to be alert. It's not another weapon. It's the all-encompassing way we put on the armor. It pervades all of spiritual warfare. This is how the battle is fought, right? In prayer and dependence on the Lord um, at all times. I mean, again, that seems very excessive all the time. Why? Why would we need to persist in prayer like this? Uh, one key reason is because Satan is going to persist, Right? He's not going to give up. He's going to keep fighting and coming for us. So we're going to have to be persistent and in prayer and depending on the Lord. So prayer is also a sacrificial act. It's not just me that I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about other people. I'm concerned about my brothers and sisters. We've got some people here who need prayers. We've got some people here who are under attack. We need to pray for these people. We need to come together and pray and fight as one. So I think the example is really cool of all this weaponry and warfare. Um, Rome, again, they were excellent militarily, not because they had like uh, one dude who was the best, right? They had a whole army of soldiers who had the right strategy, they had the right equipment, and they fought together as one and protected each other. So I want to show you guys really quick, going to be five minutes uh, clip to illustrate this. So hopefully, you're okay. So what they, happens next? You're going to have to watch to see. Damn it. It's a good movie. I would recommend seeing it if you haven't. So Gladiator. So it's, it's, I'm pretty sure when they made this movie, Ridley Scott, he had this passage in mind. 
I don't know. I'm not sure. But um, I think the video illustrates really, really well what we're talking about. You know, spiritual war um, is you could you could get messed up, but it's a team battle. Right. What happened to the people who um, didn't fight together, who try to fight as individuals in the arena? Um, They got separated and killed really quickly. Right. So oftentimes this what happens to us. We get deceived. Um, We don't even know we're deceived, right? That's the point of deception. We're deceived and we don't know we're deceived. And we go off and we try to figure things out by ourselves and we end up getting picked off, um, right? So there's an analogy there. There's also the analogy where he says, okay, whatever comes out of this gate, we stand a better chance of survival if we stay together. Um, This is also true in spiritual warfare, right? We have a chance if we stay together, if we lock our shields, um, we're not going to get picked off. Um, so we're sharing our thoughts, our struggles, and our burdens with one another. Um, people can, can speak into our life. People can help us, right? Other, other brothers and sisters can help us. And then to stand firm and fight for and with each other is cool too, right? So they lock the shields. And then at some point, they're like, let's fight, baby. And they start flipping that chariot over. Um, you know, Satan wants to... Uh, attack our unity and he wants to pick us off one by one but that's our strength and that's going to be our victory and then what's really cool i don't know if you guys saw this part when maximus got a hold of that sword you know he started slicing things up so we can go on the offensive too right we can say no that's not true sorry sorry satan this is true here i've got the sword of the spirit so i know it's true so a lot of good uh, illustrations in that movie. I recommend watching Gladiator if you haven't seen it. So just really quickly, I'll end with the last two verses in the book of Ephesians. Does somebody want to read these? Pray in my behalf that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it, I may speak bodily as I ought to speak. Okay, so very cool. So um, Paul, he's telling us to pray. He's telling us to be alert. Um, He's following his own example here. I think this is a really cool end to this letter written to the church at Ephesus. You know, Paul's not afraid to ask for prayers for himself. Um, pray for me, that speech may be given to me. I'm chained to this guard. He's a pretty bad dude, um, but I'm going to tell him about Christ, right? Pray for that to happen and that to go well. So I'm going to be telling this guy who's looking over my shoulder, uh, reading this letter anyway, what Jesus is all about. Um, and the book ends there. So that's it. So what, uh, what comments or questions or thoughts did you guys have on Ephesians 6 or um, the whole letter of Ephesians, I guess, overall? Can I just... Yeah, Angie. <laughs> so I'm not going to go into the whole thing I've got to tell you, but I <coughs> lived this whole passage today. I lived everything that you just talked about today. Yeah. So like, two things I just wanted to say, like Kevin... You said at the very beginning when you were talking about how we're not going to see this attack coming. And this thing that I went through today came out of the blue. It came from nowhere. And it was bad. 
person that can help me with this. Okay. Finally, finally, like towards the end of the day, I reached out to my friend and said, Could you pray for me? Because I can't even do this. Carrie said, Hey, are you home? I texted back, Yeah, but I don't want company. Now, if you guys know Carrie, <laughs> that wasn't going to work. Yeah, that's the exact opposite of what you'd say to like later, prevent Carrie from coming. But she did a couple things. She prayed with me. She reminded me, Kevin, like, she reminded me of the truth. She reminded me of God's love for me. Um, those are the things I needed to hear. That's what I needed to do. And I needed my team to help me with that. Yeah. Well, that's sweet. Yeah, praise the Lord for Carrie. That's great. Yeah, I mean, praise the Lord for this provision of this body that He gives us with these other believers that we can turn to and say, "I can't do this. Will you help me?" Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why. Uh, I mean, I, I, of course, Gladiator is just a movie or whatever, but I mean, that scene is so it's spiritual war. Like the guy gets shot with the arrow. And somebody's got to go and save him or he's going to get cut up by that chariot. So they go and save him and they bring him back to the um, group. And it was at a risk to, you know, Maximus ran out and saved him. It was at risk to Maximus. So Carrie, in this example, you know, she put herself at risk because you said, don't come over. So there's a chance that doesn't go well when somebody shows up after you've told them not to come over. Um, but... Sounds like it did go well, so well, thank God for that. It did go well, and then I came tonight because that was part of the whole thing. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to just anyway. Yeah, no, I, I mean, Angie, I'm, I'm very appreciative and thankful that you shared that because I think, honestly, I feel feelings like that at times, and you're kind of embarrassed by them, and you don't tell anybody about them. Um, and that's probably the opposite of what you should do, right? Well, it's so awful the way Satan can take a truth and twist and pervert that truth. Mm -hmm. So the things I was hearing, like, in my mind were, 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 were things like this. You know, you're not going to lose your salvation if you don't pray. You're not going to lose your salvation if you don't read the Bible. You're not going to lose your salvation if you don't participate in fellowship. All true things, all, right? All true, yeah. But do you see how it's twisted? Mm. Right. How we twist that truth mm. to say those things are not good for you. You don't need to do those things. Right. When the reason that God wants us to do those things is for our benefit. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just, it's awful the way your mind, I mean, the way, the way you can work like that in your mind and take even a truth and pervert it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's not as if, like, um, i try to think of how to say this. You know, you weren't born yesterday, Angie, right? <laughs> and I don't mean that, like, both literally and figuratively, like, right? You know, it's not, you're not easily duped um, by something like that. Like, we all hear that and go, like, of course not, right? But in the moment, like I'm saying, it's embarrassing sometimes of what we can fall for and, and get going on. It sounded perfectly reasonable. It sounded very reasonable <laughs> yeah. at the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Hey, Angie. Um, just something for you to hold on to next time you're struggling a little bit in that. Oh, oh, there he is. Um, 
I was in the show when your son was, who prayed for you a lot. I wonder what would have happened if he had been there. I, <coughs> there were a lot of people praying for me in four years for a long prayer situation. So Kevin, I love the point that you made that we are like, this is real, right? And it's never ending, and even though we can't see it, whether you believe it or not, you know, if you just choose to just not believe it and go along your your humdrum yeah. daily life, I mean, you can do that, but that doesn't mean the spiritual battle isn't happening, right? Mm-hmm. It just means that basically the evil one is one with you, yeah. right? Um, and it, it triggered a paper that I read a long time ago, and it, it something in this paper, the, one of the points of the paper that really hit home with me was that. This battle that he's talking about is actually more real than this, than this physical realm. Mm-hmm. This is like all here to distract and to, you know, do, yeah. do the things that it does. But the spiritual battle that, that Paul's laying out there is actually the real thing, the more real kingdom, so to speak. So I was like, yeah. oh, and we, you're right, we just don't even think about that, we lose sight of that. Like, yeah. I think I meant to mention it, uh, but you just did. It's not, it's not isolated to Christians have an enemy in Satan. It's everybody has an enemy in Satan, whether you've accepted Christ or not. There's this monstrous being that only wants to separate you from your father and only wants the worst things for you. Mm-hmm. So you can acknowledge him or you cannot, but it's it's happening. Yeah. yeah. I know um, it's, when you guys were teaching, you really remind me of like, after I accept, like, accepted Christ, I came around for like five and a half years, and then I left for two years. Mm-hmm. And I was very like, I listened to all the lies. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just like, all my friends in the body, who were like constantly loving me, serving me constantly, I just started getting bitter at them, and like, mm-hmm. just believing the lies of like, these people don't love me, like, God probably doesn't love me, and like all these really like awful lies, and I left for two years, and I dealt with a, a really bad depression of like, is it okay to kill myself, and all these different things, and I just had to like, <coughs> sobbing of like, I, God, like, I'm so sorry, like, I did this, but he has never left me. And, like, how beautiful is that, like, when we, like, are really depressed and yeah. we don't want him at all, he, like, is still there for us. Mm-hmm. And I still struggle with depression, surprise. <laughs> and it's, like, it is beautiful now because it's, like, since I've been in that depression and I've been wrecked by the world, I, like, can understand, like, I know what I have now and I know like my friends yeah. even when like I am like at my bottom like the, the most awful bottom of my depression I have friends that I can turn to and they can like I can share my burden with and like uh, first Peter like all of it is just like amazing like I encourage anybody that like struggles with like depression it really just helps you come back to the truth <coughs> Um, yeah, just remind me of that. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm.
I know that um, you're just reminding me. I've also been through a very, very similar um, where you, uh, Joe, asked how you lived your life by your feelings. And um, if, if you know me, I'm pretty expressive with my feelings. And so for a long time, it was that is what I lived by, was just how I felt. Um, and at very similar to what Marianne was saying, like, oh, people don't love me, people don't care about me. When, like, when I look around, I'm like, all my friends hate me and think I'm trash. And then when you look at them coming and choosing to love me, you're like, oh, wow, no, they really care about you. Um, but I think one of the things that, that was really helpful for me um, that kind of like help that goes with uh, the putting up the shield of faith um, was not, it was getting into the word, but also um, like having gratitude and recognizing like this is what God has done for me and this is the things that God has given me. Um, and that can, that helped me recognize that like my friends aren't my enemies. And even if I didn't have like anything that was like felt significant, like maybe I wasn't grateful for my friends that I was fighting with, but I was grateful that like I had really cheap rent. That was like my baseline and where I started. And it just having that pattern was really, really helpful. And so I just wanted to share that because I think that that can be an important aspect of some of our spiritual work. Thank you. So I've been reading this, um, I read this book called Finding Quiet by G.P. Moreland, and it's like specifically talking about addressing <coughs> anxiety and depression, but in a really practical way, right? And so one of the things that Satan likes to use in my brain is like these, these, my thought life. You know, he plants these seeds that seem really true, like he was talking about. And for so long, I mean, I, obviously I'm still actively struggling against this, but like not even thinking about what it is that I'm thinking. I just accept those things as true. You know, like, I am dumb, or I am a bad mom, or I am these things. I am not a good friend. I am not loving. Um, and just kind of continue on with my day. Like, not even stopping, not even being surprised by them. And one of the things that he's talking about, which I really appreciate, is like, stopping at those times and saying, no and relabeling it and saying it's an example of this kind of distorted thinking that he's talking about. But then he's like, I don't have, like telling that thought, which sounds really crazy, like I don't have time for you, I'm gonna continue on living my life. Yeah. And instead focusing on the things above. Um, and that's been incredibly helpful, but not only doing that because I can't do it by myself, like I have a really hard time just thinking of, of stopping it myself, um, but I'm, I tend to think out loud. <laughs> and so it's been really helpful sharing that burden with Justin, my husband, where I'm just like, it was a really rough day with Sophia today, and she's like screaming and going through this, you know, toddler phase of life that's really hard. And <laughs> she's literally sitting in my lap, screaming in my face. And I just like, Justin comes out and is in the middle of work and just starting a new job. And he's like, do, do, do you need me to take her for a second? I'm like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like bawling because I have this toddler that's screaming. And I just hand her to him, like, I'm such a bad mom, and, like, walk away, and he's like, stop. What was that? What is that an example of? What can we do now? How do we move forward? Yeah. And, like, sharing that burden as a team, as opposed to trying to do it by myself, has really been 
something that's really been effective, at least in battling my thought life, and one of the ways that Satan likes to attack me. So, I don't know, it's just, that book has been really practically helpful in my walk, and recognizing that, like, my anxiety and depression isn't just, doesn't have to be how it is, and Satan does use those things, and how can we fight against it, but not only alone, because I think that with anxiety and depression, it can be really tempting to be by yourself, and be ashamed of it. Yeah. yeah, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know the verse to take every thought captive yep. through the obedience of Christ. I mean, Eric put it. We were talking about this at Cell Group the other day, and he put it really well. And I think Eric, you said something like, "I don't even think about what I'm thinking most mm-hmm. of the time," and it is like that. You just think, right? It just right. popped in there. I don't know how it got there. It's in my brain, so it must be legit, right. right? It's my brain. Um, but like you're saying, like, no, it's, it's just cause it's in there. doesn't mean it's good. Right. doesn't mean that it came from a good place. Yeah. And it's hard work <laughs> to like stop. Yeah. And like want to examine those things. Yeah. It is hard work to think about what you're thinking. Yeah. And say, oh no, wait a minute. What was that? Cause for so right. much of our life and for so much of the day, we just, you know, we just think. Yeah. And don't think about it. Yeah. I literally have to, like, carry around reminders for my own brain. Like, think about this. Like, what are some verses that apply to these things? And yeah. I mean, that's a good uh, a good takeaway is to have some scripture memorized because yeah. then those thoughts can pop in your head where if I'm struggling, I've got some verses that pop into my head. I mean, one that always I taught on this was one of the first teachings I did about Cain and Abel, where God says to Cain, Cain presents an unacceptable sacrifice to God. And then he gets salty about it. And God says, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Like, dude, just listen to what I'm saying and you're going to feel better about your situation. So I always think about that when I'm like, oh, I really am not feeling good about this situation. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Else sin is at your door crouching and, and waiting to destroy you. There's that part of it, too, which Cain doesn't follow the advice. But So it is good to have some truth in there that can pop into your head. Yes. So, thanks. Lacey? I think Jordan oh, Jordan, you had your hand up for a while. Sorry. No, you're good. But no, wow. You guys never cease to amaze my thoughts and the whole entire room's thoughts. I'm only speaking on myself. One, two. You guys is teaching tonight, packed the punch that blew me right out of the seat. Um, speaking on the spiritual uh, armor, so going towards the sword, is that how we are able to test the spirits? I think so, right? What, I mean, the test the spirits was... Um, I think that was you guys that, was that first taught on that as well. I think it was Terry and Rich taught on that. But It would make some sense because... Like, yeah, I mean, does the divide the two? Does the thought square with the word of God that I know? I think is good. I think that that's what I was saying to test the spirits. Like, if some thought pops in your head and it's like, I should not care about that person anymore. Does that square with the word of God? No. No. So it's like, okay, well, yeah. I mean, that's blatant. God, God loves all people Satan. and desires all men to be saved. You know, God loved us so much he gave his only son like there's not I can't find scripture to support writing somebody off you know forgive how many times should I forgive somebody that sort of thing and again in scripture going back to scripture it says God gives grace and equality to all 
So yeah, if that thought ever pops into your head, you know for a fact it's all cluttered up and smothered by yeah. Satan. I think that the test in First John, that specific passage, was was our is Christ being preached? Um, if I remember correctly. Okay. But no, thank you guys again for the teaching. Thank you for listening. Lacey, what do you got? So I think those of us who are uh, married, it, it's like it's like a, you have this sidekick person that's always watching your back and stuff like that. But for those of us that aren't married, I think that's why it's important to be in cell groups and discipleships, have roommates. Because like, you're right, Satan, he doesn't have a job. He doesn't watch TV. All he does is watch you and cares about ways to lie to you and to separate you from the Lord. Yeah. I mean, what, one thing he'll do in those situations... Um, is he'll make you feel like you've got a very unique situation that nobody can understand. And the people who are trying to help you, well, they don't really understand because they don't have the same situation as me. Um, which might be true. Like you're saying, Angie, there might be some truth to that. Um, you know, I may be trying to help somebody or somebody may be trying to help me and their situation may not be the same as mine and they may not fully understand what I'm going through. Like Carrie was saying, we've all been there. I think in general sense, we've all been there, like you're saying. But, um, you know, we do all have specific situations, maybe, that 
maybe somebody doesn't understand fully, but um, we do have a high priest who's been tempted in every situation who understands fully where um, that is the, you know, the, the spirit that is able to minister and use those people where, um, you know, Satan will use that a lot with me. Well, you're very unique and people don't understand your very unique situation. Um, so this person who's trying to say something to you, you shouldn't even listen to them because they haven't been in that same situation. And that, you know, on the one hand, it's true they haven't been on that situation. But on the other hand, it's, you know, it's a lie because who cares if they haven't been in that situation? God's using them to, to minister to me and, and Jesus has been in every situation and, and he's going to minister to me through that person. So, Carlo? Good evening. Good evening. Uh, I had a question and a comment. So, if I'm hearing everything correctly, a couple slides where you're saying, like, prayer is the, how we access these uh, armor pieces, right? Yes. Okay. So, what would you say to the person who uh, maybe doesn't have a prayer life, but, like, everything's going pretty good, and they're coming to everything, but they're not really praying. Everything's like fine in their lives, like nothing's wrong. What would you say to someone who like maybe doesn't need feel the need for prayer because things are going sweet? Um, I'm not sure how to handle that question. I think for a time maybe you could get by like that, but I think this life in general is not going to always go sweet. Um, and then I guess, I mean, what would I say? I would say you're, you're missing out on opportunities to be used by God if you're not in prayer and in communication with God to be concerned about other people, um, to be, you know, knowing what God's doing and knowing what direction he has um, for you. So one of the, th I mean, without getting, getting, one of the things that I did, I listened to Dr. Tony Evans. Doctor. He had a really great teaching about is called well-dressed for warfare. It was all about prayer and how in prayer we take uh, scripture. We know kind of what God's trying to do and we go to God and we're talking with him about what he's going to do. And he shows us something else. He shows us like something deeper and gives us insight into what he's going to do. Um, so somebody like Elijah, for example, how is Elijah? Elijah was just a man, an ordinary man like you and me, but he prayed that the rain would stop and it stopped for three and a half years and then he prayed again that the rain would start and then it started raining again. Like, how was he able to do that? Well, he knew from Scripture that God was going to do this and he prayed to God and God showed him that it was going to happen and he was in touch with God. So I, I would say if you're, not, if you're not praying, you're not in communication with God, you miss out on those opportunities to be used by God and then I just don't know how you would, how would you have a relationship with somebody if you're never talking to them? Right? So if you're a Christian and you're, I've been in a situation before where I don't pray a lot. Um, my relationship with God really can't be that great because I'm not talking. It'd be like if you and I said we were good friends but we never talked. Like we couldn't really be that good of friends, right? Yeah. So I think, I think that's kind of what I was looking for. I, I'm just taking the cynic approach to it because uh, I think with man pleasers or just people who are like, when things are good, then God can you know, stay away if things are bad, then I need God. Yeah. I think I think people fall in that category where it's like, things are going really good, so like, God's just blessing me, Oh yeah, I'll keep moving. Oh you know? yeah. And maybe when I need him again, I'll come back to him, but things are fine, so there's no... Yeah, God is like a spare, spare tire. 
Yeah. Right. I think I think that was a key point. Is like you have this relationship with God. It's like uh, why wouldn't you want to talk to him? But also prayer gives you that access to the defenses to Satan's attacks, which is, which mm-hmm. is super key. But um, I think that I brought that up just because I think it's easy, especially with what they call the uh, the older Christian disease. Is where like you've been in your walk for a while, you've been walking with the Lord, and you kind of know how the flow of things go, and and you know you got to go to the meetings and, and look good, kind of safe face. But then it's like in the inside, you're not really communicating with the Lord, and uh, you're constantly just falling under all these deceptions. Yeah, like, then that's a good question. Then who are you communicating with? Where right. are the thoughts? Like we're talking about, there's thoughts coming in your head. Where are they coming from? Right, exactly. Uh, so so I think it's like. Uh, I don't, I don't know what I've been trying to develop in, in my in my walks. I do fall under cynic, cynicism and also just man pleasing. And it's like uh, you know, thinking back, like when is the last time I prayed? You know, it's it should be a red flag that just goes up in my head. Sometimes it doesn't, but it's like, man, I haven't prayed in a while. I should probably do that. And then sometimes I, say, I should do that later. Yeah, I never do it for another week. And it, uh, but I think getting the, the group of like, oh, I haven't prayed in a while, like. I want to talk to God because it's my relationship, but uh, not because I have to, but because you know, I want to talk to the Lord and get his input on things. Yeah, and I think you and I are similar in that regard that we probably don't pray as much as we should or whatever, however you want to say it. Because I'm, I'm that way too. Like, I'm a functional, just tell me what needs to be done and I'll do it. Why we need to talk about it sort of guy. But what I've started trying to do is, you know how people will say, oh, can you pray for me or pray for my thing? And you'd be like, yeah, I'll pray for you. I actually try to stop and take a couple minutes or a second or two or a couple minutes and actually pray when I say I'm going to pray for somebody. And that has been very helpful to me. And not waiting um, because like you said, if you wait, oh yeah, I'll pray for that thing. And then you're like, well, I didn't. Um, actually doing it. Right. And, and then my uh, comment was, uh, uh, I was thinking about, you guys, you guys mentioned personal prayer, but I was thinking about corporate prayer too, um, throughout your teaching. So we do have our, our <laughs> weekly prayer meetings. Uh, we get together a small group and just pray for what's going on in each other's lives and in our, in our home church and our families and stuff. I haven't been to a corporate prayer meeting since the beginning of uh, LTC. so our leadership training class. And uh, I was just thinking about it the other day. One, I can't wait for this class to be over. It's very hard. <laughs> but also, there's like a there's a big gap of like, man, I don't know what's going on anywhere in our church, in our home church, because I've been missing that corporate prayer where people are open up for each other, telling us going on, you know, each other's lives. There's a PowerPoint going through like, hey, this person I reached out to, or my father isn't doing well. Can you pray for him throughout the week? And it's like uh, there's a big gap there of just missing uh, also the importance of, of getting together as a corporate group and praying together and, and bearing one of his burdens in that way yeah. too. So I think that's another way of strengthening each other in our faith uh, and pushing each other towards God is like during cor- corporate prayer too. Yeah, that, that prayer meeting. It is, it is, I mean, it is a sacrifice, right? It's like another thing to go to, but I agree it's worth it to go to it. And if you miss it, I mean, the slides are posted. True. So you could go through the slides. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Hey, Joe. What's your thoughts on uh, Matthew 10, 14? Matthew 10, 14. You said you couldn't find a verse about 
walking away from somebody. It's wiping the dust off your feet. Oh, I, 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 I had that in the back of my mind. Um, I, I mean, think that's that, not directed at. Yeah, I mean that's not that's that's a different situation. I think. I think at some point, if if somebody's saying no, I'm not interested in this at all, or they're mocking you, or they're, they're you know, I think that that's a different situation then. That certainly you would say, oh okay, you know, sorry you feel that way. I'm gonna hit the old dusty trail here and not bother anymore. You know, respect your wishes. I think that that's a different situation. You know, I'm talking about a situation where uh, you and I are in a cell group together, and uh, we're trying to love each other, and maybe it's not working out. Christian to Christian. Christian to Christian. We wouldn't write each other off, or maybe it's with my father, for example. I'm not going to just write him off because he says, I don't want to hear about this today. Okay, well, I'll respect that, Dad, but I'm going to keep praying for you, and I'll bring it up, you know, maybe a month from now then. Right. So. I just think God, Jesus has a plan for us, and if we focus too much on one person or one thing, then we get sidetracked from the plan that God has for us, so we want to be strategic about that. Yeah, yeah, certainly if somebody's not wanting to hear about it, I think that, uh, yeah, we should be respectful of that. Now, I'm not biting, I'm not saying by any means to treat them badly. Or no, or I think that that's off. one way we can, you know, honor what they, you know, hey, you don't want to hear about it, that's fine, I'm going to be praying for you. I've gotten, well, I don't even want you praying for me. Okay, I, I don't know that I can promise that, <laughs> but... Uh, <clears throat> we'll wait a year or two if they may be interested. You know, yeah. Life's gonna throw at them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, why don't we talking a lot about praying? Why don't we pray? Mm-hmm. Why don't we pray. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, I'll pray, and then Kevin can close us down. Yes. And then anybody else who wants to pray in between that, please feel free to do so. Well, dear Lord, just thank you um, for this passage, for this book of Ephesians. I know it was a, little, uh, a long book. We put a lot of effort and time into studying it, but I think it was time well spent. So just thank you for this letter, Lord, um, that was preserved, that we have your, your counsel and your word on um, spiritual matters, on spiritual warfare, on things that Um, we're dealing with on day to day. So thank you for the provisions you give us, Lord, for all the blessings you sent your son down to die for us, to redeem us so that we could live as your children. So just thank you so much for that. All the blessings you want to bestow on us, um, the provisions you give us to fight the spiritual battle um, that we're drafted into. Um, Lord, I just pray against Satan and what he's trying to do. Um, people feeling um, thoughts and accusations right now. I pray against that, Lord, that uh, those would be exposed for what they are um, and your truth would prevail. Father, um, I, I want to thank you so much that uh, you sent your son down uh, to die on the cross for our sins. Um, it's such a privilege that we don't have to be held that, that you just uh, forgive us so freely and so willingly. Um, I also just thank you that you, you don't leave us ignorant to Satan's schemes, that uh, you also 
give us so much that we can uh, use to fight in this spiritual war. Um, I just pray that uh, we all can be actively putting on your armor, that we can be looking and seeing what that means in our own personal <coughs> lives, and that we can be open and honest with our friends about um, the lies that we hear from Satan, and that they, we can be uh, letting them put up that shield with us, that we can be interlocking those shields of faith. Father, we pray that you would continue to remind us to stand firm in you when we face sin, when we face deception, and schemes of the devil, that we would stand firm, that we would stand our ground and not give the devil a foothold. Mm -hmm. Help us to keep strong in one another, to pray for one another, to be there for one another as we face this battle, Lord. Yeah, God, thank you so much for this book of Ephesians. Um, thank you so much for providing us with the armor and the ammunition and the weaponry that we need to defeat our enemy. Um, I pray that when I do feel insignificant or I do forget that I'm in a fight, that you, you put it in my heart and you remind me how significant I am so much that you sent your son down here to die for me so that I can be up in heaven with you and that I can be forgiven. Thank you so much for this fellowship group. Um, it always... It always lifts up my Thursday evening, and I, I love it. Um, I just pray as we as we go along, we can just become more and more firm, like uh, like it was said, just standing shoulder to shoulder and standing firm against Satan and standing firm in Your Word. Mm -hmm. In these things we pray. Amen.